0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for our our being. All that we have, Lord, comes from you. Take us, move us and use us. Allow your word to go forth that your people might understand it and be moved to action. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. I um, I I've seen people flourish. In, in certain strengths, in certain weaknesses, in certain just elements. Have you ever just seen somebody where you like, man, whether you think you good or bad does, is irrelevant. When you in your element, you're just in the zone. You know, I had a, I had a good friend that was um, uh, very mild-mannered, really chill. You might say shy. But when she went up to go and give a poem watch out i mean like this this poetic persona came on it was like a whole different person maybe you know that of 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 some some teachers some people that like in their normal day-to-day when they kick it and when they communicate they're like pretty cool and you know you love them you engage with them but when they step into the role of teacher and they've got some people they feel responsible for like communicating certain truths and elements to. They're like dynamic, like everybody's engaged. They're on a seat, at the edge of their seat. They're like totally hooked. I, I had one friend tell you how, how this how this in your element thing worked. I had a friend that discipled me that like helped me grow in my faith. This brother would stutter most of the time but when it was time for him to preach when it's time for him to teach god's word and empower and encourage his people this brother wouldn't stutter i mean it, it, was, it was crazy to see how certain abilities take place when folks just seem to be like in their element when god is just using them family today we are going to talk about how each person is given an ability or a work to do for the kingdom. It's called this title of personal ministry, but it just simply means you've got work to do that's uniquely for you for God's kingdom. Turn with me to the the hallmark verse that uh, kind of uh, epitomizes and captures this idea of a personal ministry it's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, Ephesians in the New Testament. So one of the smaller books, I would guess about like middle, if you're just flipping through, um, uh, no, gospels take up so much time, uh, so much space. Uh, but if it's, um, yeah, one of the smaller books within the New Testament, um, it, it's, it's. This book where it's a little bit different. Most of the books that you find that this man named Paul wrote, this apostle wrote, this man who started a bunch of churches and helped them flourish and do well. Most of those books, Paul is responding to an actual situation. He's talking to a group of people and there's a situation going on. Maybe there's uh, some some real difficulty with the way these people um are, uh, interacting with one another. So he's got to talk about community or maybe there's, uh, uh, some issues with, uh, certain types of sin. The book of Ephesians is a little bit different. The book of Ephesians is almost as if somebody said, Hey, Paul, what's it mean to be a strong Christian? And he's like, Oh, I'm glad you asked. Let me bust out these chapters and hook you up with what it means. And so in Ephesians, we kind of get like, man, what does it mean To have a strong faith and then to live that faith out. What's that look like? And so if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter two, we're going to look at verse 10. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter two. It simply reads verse 10, chapter two of Ephesians. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you come from a from a big family, then, you know, the word we can can be a dangerous term. I mean, if Mama comes in the house and the whole house is clean, and she says, "Hey, I want to reward y'all. Who who cleaned up this house?" Everybody's like, "We did." You know, there's a whole uniform, uh, uh collective doing. But if Mama comes in the house and said, "Who drank the last of my Kool Aid?" Somebody starts saying, "We." Like, uh, oh, not we, you, you did that, brother. Hey, the we here is is connected somewhat to all of humanity in the sense that, like. We all are created in the image of God, but then there's something unique that happens that makes the humanity of God actually get a bit smaller and become the workmanship of God. If you look at verse one, still in chapter two, you will see uh, that this this death thing happens, that we, we were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions. Walking dead, if you will. And then God comes and does something. He he in verse five makes us alive. And then what happens is we now are the we that God is talking about. We now are his workmanship. And what is his workmanship? When I used to uh, when I was in seminary studying, um, just trying to learn more about God so that I could faithfully engage with his word while encouraging uh believers and non-believers. I would get up at 5 30 in the morning because I had I cleaned. I was uh on the maintenance staff and clean the bathrooms and the, the students uh classrooms and things of that nature and the specific building that I was in charge of cleaning was the arts building. And artists are a little different. Even though they have like separate classes For the most part, they have keys to the building because they have large um, projects that they have to create and they have to come and go as they please. And so I was able to see something like beautiful take place where a student would start with this big just lump of clay and they would add water to it, start shaping it, molding it. And over the course of weeks. It would turn from this lump of clay or this giant rectangle of ivory. And over time, as it's chiseled away, chiseled away, or molded and formed, it became this beautiful sculpture. They didn't even oftentimes have to write words that would describe it, because you could look at it and just see how it was this beautiful manifestation of their hands, Family, God is saying unto us, there was humanity, but humanity got smaller because of what God did for them in saving their lives. And one of the ways in which he saved us was to show that we went from death to life. And he stood back and said, look at my. Look at my creation. Look at what I've formed. Look at what I have done. Look at. This beautiful. Beautiful masterpiece and so we are his workmanship but we're not his workmanship created just to simply be about ourselves continuing that verse with me it says created in christ for good works that now as you have been reborn as you have been remade as you have been fashioned by god and given the opportunity for new life there's a purpose by which he said i'm gonna stand back shape you make you and i got a purpose and it's in jesus christ for good works in jesus christ meaning that without jesus the new shaping doesn't happen because he is the one he is the glue he is the one that holds it all together makes it all possible and so, in Jesus Christ, we are taken from death to life, reborn. I used to watch a uh, a show, around Christmas, and it was one of my favorites. It's called Scrooge, and 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 yes, I liked all forms of Scrooge. I liked the black and white one. I, I like the Ducktales one. Some of y'all old heads know what Ducktales is. Some of y'all young heads don't know about that yet. Um, But Scrooge was really interesting because after he was able to see the new opportunity he had at life, he realized he was created for a different purpose. A different way to interact with people, a different way to care for people that that the goals that he had were all wrong. He was to be about a different set of goals. And what happens here in verse 10 is God creates us, makes us his masterpiece. And then because Jesus Christ is at the heart of it all, we now have a different set of aims, a different set of goals, a different motivation and result of work see our 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 good works flow from a good god and we don't do these things because we owe him this is not a a a, a work off your faith approach this is one of those things where we continue the whole 10 verses talks about hey we can boast in nothing we've done nothing And so what, what happens is God saves us, remakes us, puts us in, makes us new. And then we, out of that joy of who he is, work it out. We're not trying to earn God's favor. We already have God's favor. So the good works we go do are the, is the fruit, is the, the, the representation of what God has already done in us. I, um. I, I i noticed maybe maybe some of y'all might notice uh like have you ever seen like synchronized swimming sisters be on the they be doing the swimming and it's off the chain how like they're all in unison well uh black sororities and black fraternities do that but they do it they they dance without without the speedos you know what i'm saying those speedos um And and what happens is there's a process that fraternities and sororities go through where they learn a certain amount of information. But at the end, there's what's called a pro show or a revealing show where they are masked. And when their mask is taken off, there's a new them and they're given a nickname, if you will. Got a got a new name associated with them. And it's almost as if they are a new person after having gone through this process. But what happens is they start synchronized dancing or what you would call stepping. It's it's, they don't step to earn the process they went through. They step to express the new person that they've become and what they are newly a part of family. Some people can worship frats, worship sororities. They go too far with it. Yes. But but the example helps us understand The good works God has for us. We out of a love for this God have a new dance, a new rhythm, a new way in which we operate because of what he has done in us. In Christ Jesus, because he stands back and looks at us, looks at you, regardless of what you have, regardless of who you know. Regardless of the position, your worksmanship is not defined based on you. It's all defined on God. And so you are his beautiful masterpiece created to do good works. Back to that verse. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which God prepared beforehand, which that we should walk in them. God has prepared a a, a path of good works. This brother who wrote a, a commentary on on uh, on this book, his last name is Anders M. Anders. He says this does not mean we do work for God. It means that God does a work for. Through us, as we are faithful and obedient to him, God is at work in faith. We join him in that work to to the praise of his glory. You got that. God's going before us doing work. And then he says, I'm going to use you to come and join what I'm doing. I love that analogy. I love I love that imagery I love that God goes before us and so the good work no matter how insurmountable it might seem God's already gone before you so you are good you are set you are you are ready I wish that I had a chance to talk to my brother who I who discipled me um Rebecca and I were able to see them when we went overseas uh, a few years ago when you guys blessed us with a sabbatical and uh, we was able to see him and just was greatly encouraged. But I but I've got to wonder what his approach was the very first time he preached a sermon. As he was getting ready to preach, I I love to ask him. Was there just a total sense of calm? Or or were the things the times you had stuttered leading up to that made you fearful of preaching? How would he have responded if if God had just come and said, don't worry, I'm going before you. Don't worry, I'm going to prepare you. Don't worry, stuttering won't happen in this situation. Family, he goes before us. And all he's asking is that we should walk in it, I have uh, I have five kids, and my kids are uh, beautiful. And I've um, taught four of them how to ride a bike. And uh, each time we do this, kind of the each kid goes through the same kind of process. You know, first we start out with a little three wheel trike, get you ready. Then we put on them training wheels, and then we take the training wheels off. And each time we take the training wheels off, the child does two things. They look back to make sure that daddy's got them and they grip the handlebars so tight. It's it's a desire to be in control and to know nothing's going to go wrong. Family, I have taught each of my kids how to how to ride a bike and the the lesson that i've learned in four of them is that they cannot look back actually they've got a trust dad has prepared the way that i have done what i said when i said don't worry i'm going to go before you and i'm going to clear out all the branches i'm going to take you and i Take my kids actually to a patch where there's not many uh, bumps and hills so that it can be as smooth as possible. Daddy's going to prepare the way for you. I'm going to try to make sure that this is one thing that has the minimum, a minimal amount of challenges. I'm not saying that God always eliminates challenges. What I'm saying is God goes before us. And the crazy part is We don't acknowledge that he is holding us, keeping us, preparing the environment, every aspect of the ride, even providing the bike, God does. And so what would it look like for you to set out on a personal ministry? What would it look like for you to ride this thing on out for Jesus? What would it look like for you to Walk in what he's already prepared you to do. We have been uh, going through this series, it's called Foundations. And Foundations is what our church is going through to be able to say, I've got a strong foundation in what it means to be a believer to be a strong believer, I understand. Doesn't mean I do it all every day and that I'm perfect at it, but I know what God wants to do in me and I know what he expects of me and now, Lord, I want to submit to that. So these foundational topics have allowed our church to, 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 to gain a good, solid basis. And so today is the last foundation's ministry sermon the last of that series and you'll see we talked about god the father jesus the holy spirit that there's this this narrative that we had to understand of god's creation the fall with sin and redemption that's found in jesus and jesus alone we talked about the, the fake faiths that seek to take our attention away from what Jesus says in his word. And then the the validity and power of his scriptures. Talked about the importance of, of prayer and that spiritual discipline and that we are a people that are have been given much, and so we give generously and want to be responsible stewards with what God gives us. That God didn't put us on this road alone. But that fellowship is not only healthy for us. It's essential and key. There are certain spiritual gifts God gives us. And and an abundant life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He expects that of us. That we have a a missional posture of living and a personal ministry. And, And these differ just a little bit at the end missional living is is both of these focus on us connecting people back with god but a, a missional posture is a little bit more of church focused Let's go out and be about evangelism and the things we do in our comings and goings. Let's allow certain aspects of our daily life to have these certain characteristics. Let's, you know, be people of integrity. Let's be people that uh, celebrate and care for people. Let's be about justice. Let's be about taking God out, Right but a but a personal ministry is not as as directed by the church and not as uh church focus is not hey let me think evangelism first um personal ministry is a bit more unique to you it's a bit more about how god has uniquely wired you and it can be a short term and long term game which i will explain in a minute but i wanted to make sure if you um are tuning in with us Hey, go back through and listen to the other messages that we gave. We would love for you to be have a strong foundation in Christ as well. But this is the last foundations sermon. And and, and why is it important to have a personal ministry? It's important to have a personal ministry because there are two kingdoms present. There is Satan's kingdom and then there's God's kingdom and we are called To advance God's kingdom. Look with me uh, at Luke chapter 4. In the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke. You got Luke there. And we're going to go to fourth chapter. And uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 quickly. Because Jesus has this experience with Satan that tells us for sure that Satan is ruling and has his own many kingdom. Verse one, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone and become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms. The devil took him up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written. You shall worship the Lord, your God, and him only shall you serve. We already know Jesus gives this fool the stiff arm. How dare you tempt me to worship anyone but the Lord, our God. So he responds even with scripture to this situation. But this situation is unique because people sometimes question Jesus uh, or question the power of Satan. And Tom Skinner did a great sermon uh, where he highlights this in his message uh, at Urbana. He said that. How could this be real? How could Satan not have a kingdom with authority if he was supposed to be tempting Jesus? If this is truly a situation where he's tempting Jesus, he's got to have the ability to come through. With with the temptation, it's got to be some type of lure. It's got to have some type of attractiveness. It's got to have some type of desire. And so what does he put before Jesus to dangle that this kingdom that I'm running could be yours, Jesus. My kingdom that was given to me for right now for right now could be yours. So clearly Satan has a kingdom and the reason why God has us as his workmanship looking beautiful to him, even though the world may say we look foolish and dumb, we look beautiful to him. He does something in us, transforms us, says, I got some good work for you to do, because in a world that is broken and a kingdom that has fallen, I'm using you as a means of advancing my kingdom. I need you to be one of my agents of transformation. I am already moving forward. Now come join my kingdom army, you, you. And so we get a chance to be used by God with a personal ministry. And what is is a personal ministry? All right, pastor, you've been talking about this. You've got these terms. I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna try to make it simple. A personal ministry in, in, in some just Pastor Leon Lamus terms is something that stirs your heart to respond as Jesus would. Something that stirs your heart, meaning that you see it. Care about it. And it leads you to respond as Jesus would. Jesus has already gone before you. And so that so that 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 response can look like a variety of things. And that's what I'm going to spend some time talking about. Some of these different ways that personal ministries have have uh, been birthed out of people. But one of the ways I want to I want to give you just some some general areas where you can see personal ministry flourishing These are not in order of priority, but I will say the first one is the most important. You got family, missions with the church, and that's. Oh, I'm sorry. What I should have said was ministries within with the church, Um, work, community, neighborhood, caring for folks that are different than you, different cultures. Or maybe even in being international. These are all environments where personal ministry can flourish. Sometimes you hear someone say personal ministry and it's like, you can't do that at work. That's unwise. Work can totally be the place where your personal ministry flourishes. Family can totally be the place where you're you. Uh, we, we have throughout family um, times where aunties and uncles almost become mamas and daddies. Why? Because because someone sees a need within the family, their heart is stirred and they jump in, get involved as Jesus would. Where they step in and say, no, not on my watch, but a kingdom Jesus response isn't just a physical response. Jesus would always lead you to serving God always lead you from being healed to responding with your life as one of gratitude, not simply lip service, but lead you to something bigger than just the healing lead you to a spiritual healing as well. And so I'm, 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 I'm just putting down these first six and I'm about to go a bit deeper, but I want to ask just a quick poll question. Is there a person or a group of people that God has placed on your heart as a group that you could reach? Don't 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 think about the hint. Don't think of how many obstacles don't think of anything. Just think right now, man, is there a a person or, or, or a group that like comes to mind that that God has put on your heart to care for, to love and serve? To reach, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you some examples to help to help flush this thing out. All right, I'll give you some examples. Example number one: um, m- m- Mama and them. M- Mama and them is is a group of undefined women that would see caring for the neighborhood as their very first goal. See, um, um, food pantries, soup kitchens. That's just imitating Mama and them. You see, there were there were people who said on my watch, no one's going to be hungry. Even if it comes at my expense on my watch, no one's going to go without having clothes. And so sometimes they clothed the children of their neighbor and the neighbor's neighbor. Sometimes they fed the family where mom and dad were both working two to three jobs, but still were not able to make ends meet personal ministry it's where you see a need and you're you for some reason god has brought it up to your your mindset your radar is going off other people might not even saw that family but you did there's a brother that was doing bible study with his with his family and he said man you know what i'm doing bible study and i see this young man over here not not being cared for i'm gonna bring him into the fold and have him doing bible study with me and my family personal ministry right the, a, a way in which you see a need and you're like man God why would you bring that to my attention as a brother that does, did, did some real estate the one developed to develop a large portfolio of houses so that people could buy them just on land contracts alone because they knew folks couldn't get traditional loans I know a, a person that's been coaching talk to Titus Some of them coaches don't get paid anything and their personal ministry is investing in young girls in volleyball or investing in young men in football or spending their days trying to plan and equip these kids and then pour into their lives and help them deal with their issues. And for some reason, God has pricked their hearts and said, these kids are where I'm going to invest. You see, it's not, it's, It's not always something big. Sometimes it may evolve into that, but it may just start with, with something small. As you consider different personal ministries that God may have pricked your heart. And the crazy thing is no one else may see it. No one else may see it. I don't know why. um, And this would happen to me every time. And, and it, and, and I believe it was God just like stirring my heart for him. But even back in the day when I used to party and I would go clubbing and I would. Um, and even if I was like intoxicated, if I'm in a place and I see someone that's alone, struggling, like like wanting to be a part of things and not. I see them. I see them and I'm and I'm drawn to them and it and no matter what, if I'm having a good time or whatever, if I don't go and engage that person, my mind is consumed by it. It's not a right or wrong for other people. Other people are kicking and having a good time. They're doing their thing. But I see them. You see, this 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 personal ministry, man, it is it's it's something that God stirs in you. There's a brother that's in our church body. He's been meeting with a young man for like six, seven years on the low. Nobody knows about it. And he's invested in this dude's life. Personal ministry, man, it's like God just pricks your heart about something and says, I have created a good work for you. Don't worry about what you do or don't have. I'm going before you. I'll be with you. Here's some here's some just simple, practical things to remember when you're considering a a ministry. First, um, it does not supersede. um, It cannot supersede your relationship with your family. You cannot be like, hey, I'm not going to care for my family because I need to go out and help uh, hustle up shoes for the homeless. I get it. You got to be sacrificial. It takes time. Yes. And and, and, I, and I'm, I'm looking in the mirror myself right now. But but you cannot create serving others at the demise of your family. All right. So point number one, let's 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 not do that. Point number two, it should fuel your faith and not exhaust it. Let the ministry is to help you grow, flourish and mature. It is not to make you become resentful at God, make you become resentful at his community, make you begin to have a lackluster faith because instead of properly putting ministry in its place, which is a tool for the kingdom, not the kingdom in and of itself, you get your priorities mixed. So care for your family. Let it fuel your faith. And lastly, you must have accountability in personal ministry. Sisters, brothers, I don't care who you got to meet with at night. Uh, somebody else need to know. Need to have accountability. Not assuming anything of your character, but 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 Satan is busy roaring like a lion in his kingdom. And he wants to tempt us in ways that will get us caught up and compromise both your personal ministry and your family ministry have accountability and so i gave you some personal e- examples some some people i know some folks with no names but i thought i would bring in just two names to help me sum it up y'all to help me sum it up and and i'm, I'm trying to look in this chat see if anybody said anything nope not yet praise the lord all right all right y'all still with me out there holla at me Before I raise these two folks, though, I, I do want to ask you one more question because I believe that that and I, I couldn't see the results of the poll. Let me let me try to check in here right quick, y'all. Um, I want I want to be a blessing if y'all responded. I want to be able to to check it out and see what the results were. Uh, so thank you for uh, trying to engage with me as uh technology and stuff like that. Um, My skin is allergic to the technology. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, I'm sorry. I usually can see. uh, I'll try to come back to it. I see my first my next poll up uh, and that. So. if, if, If God has pricked your heart. If you don't currently have a personal ministry, what is the biggest hindrance to you walking into that ministry? Whatever it is, I'm not assuming that you 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 might be the dude that starts an orphanage in Zimbabwe. You might be the dude that creates a third political party for God's glory. You might be the dude that just helps his friend learn how to read. I don't know. But if you currently don't have a personal ministry, I'm curious to know what's the biggest hindrance to you walking in that. Is it fear distractions being too busy laziness or or just not making the choice because you have too many options Is it fear distractions laziness or or not making the choice because you have so many options you don't know which one to pick Click that for me, and, and and let me know your thoughts. And I'm am I'm gonna work on this thing to be able to see it. I got okay. I see some responses going on there. I wanna I wanna just highlight two two people, uh, two people that I've seen. Uh, As I know them and I know their character and God has allowed me to have a unique vantage point into uh, into their lives. I've been humbled by the way they live and and greatly encouraged. Um, I want to I want to highlight a sister in our body named Laura. Um, Laura, I asked her a a few questions and she was fine with me sharing these things. Um, But but she first wanted to just say Before anything's focused on her, that she's honored to serve as a nurse or a part of a first responder team of people that are doing the best they can in the midst of this COVID season. She knows uh, and, and readily celebrates that she is not the only person. Uh, that's serving. We have had uh, amazing doctors serving. We have a um, uh, um, uh, anesthesists, I can't even say that right. Come on. I won't try. St- I won't try it again, though. Um, EMTs, the whole nine. Um, and we even have a sister that's pregnant right now as a nurse working, you know, like folks are serving faithfully. And I, I asked Laura, uh, and this is where I think kind of like God going before but also like some of that alignment of even like personal ministry and work overlap. Um, I asked Laura about like her desire. Why did she become a nurse? And she simply said that uh, she was interested in doing some missions work, um, but then saw this great connection of being able to provide, like have a practical skill uh, that could address physical needs and, and, and help encourage people towards God. So in the midst of this COVID situation, um, my sister, uh, Laura, was caring for her children, uh, working hard as a stay-at-home mom, and uh, fully invested in that regard. Um, but she, she, she felt, uh, 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 she said it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a stirring in her that she could just not let go of. To, to enter back into the nursing field to help one of the hardest hit hospitals in the nation, uh, Sinai Grace. And so as I was listening to her and I asked her, hey, what is what does your faith look like in this? She just she shared just a couple of quick things that like her ability to go above and beyond, not just do the bare minimum, but provide excellence in an environment. She prays like helps encourage her co-workers and would lead them towards a life in the Lord. But also just that there's a great importance and a gospel centered uh, impact when you are about the ministry of presence. Of being a God centered presence in the midst of people who are hurting, some who can't even communicate, some who might be going through their last moments. And you can be a God centered presence. I was. Blown away as, as Laura was sharing that she saw like part of her own personal response that God pricked her heart to get involved and act. And it's and it's and, and she's now on the front lines with so many others trying to care for those that are hurting. Another brother that that you guys may know, um, his brother named uh, Dewan. He is a, a, a leader in our community, um, in the community of Detroit. Uh, he was a member of our church some time ago, uh, but a brother that still celebrates us. And we are uh, just grateful for his love of our church and his encouragement and the different spiritual investments that he's made all throughout Detroit. I used to be a part a few times of a morning prayer breakfast or a morning uh, Bible study time that he's been running for years, literally years. And, uh, and it's been great to see that personal ministry flourish, but Dewan uh, started, um, something called the black leaders, Detroit. Um, it is an organization, uh, that, that he founded with some other, uh, great people and, uh, the, the whole goal. And if you can go to that, that Brown slide, Jenny, the whole goal of it is to, uh, build, uh, wealth for, the non-profits and excuse me for businesses um and for, to be a support and an encouragement to different businesses so that they can flourish and succeed i i asked him dewan could you explain to me how this came about and how your faith is is connected to it and i want to read what he said um verbatim but i seem to have just misplaced it um Give me one second, second, y'all, And if you can go to that other slide right quick, Jenny, so that the people could could see uh, his beautiful face. My, my, my brother right there. Um, yeah. So this is the, and this is what this is what Dewan said. He we had talked for a while and then he sent me a, a message back later after he had a chance to think again. He said uh, to the question of how black leadership Detroit mission lines up with my faith. I think that it starts with the characteristic of Christ that speaks to me most. That is the activism and in him, the part of him that would see a community and a person in desperate need and stop what he was doing to address that need. To me, that is what loving excuse me. That is what loving your neighbor like you love yourself looks like. There is no secret that black owned businesses and nonprofits do not have the same access to resources, specific Uh, funding, to access to resources and specific funding as other organizations. No matter what we believe the reason is, that is a fact. Knowing that these organizations and businesses are more likely to employ people living in the communities that we all say that we have a heart for, and they are likely to be addressing needs that these communities have with a high level of understanding and knowledge of the people in these communities the activists in me seeing that the leaders of these businesses and organizations do not have the funding that they need to contribute, to thrive and meet the needs of others. I feel a strong calling to address that need for them. You see in that theme, that theme where, where, where their, their hearts are pricked. Dewan is saying, I see you working hard. He gave the example of the brother that, um, that, uh, led the Detroit Youth Choir, right? National recognition. This He said that this brother led the Detroit Youth Choir for 20 years, Saturday after Saturday after Saturday. And they just now have been able to be financially sustainable. Just now. And Dewan is looking and he's seeing all these people on the ground working hard and he's saying, No, I'm not just gonna jump in and help. I'm actually going to ask that if every if I can get one million people to give one dollar a week, that can contribute towards a fund that will help to see these these businesses flourish. Help to see these nonprofits not wonder if they're gonna be able to keep the lights on because they got to choose feeding the kids or giving them sports equipment. His heart was pricked, Laura's heart was pricked, and it's a unique vantage point that they had. But it's not about them, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about God doing His work. Us being his workmanship, him going before us and us being willing to walk. That's the part where it all it all comes back, right? My kids, I'm I'm trying to teach them how to ride this bike. I've got you. I've cleared everything out. I'm holding you. You are trying to grip these handlebars and be so much in control. But there's one thing you're forgetting to do. And it's. Almost the most important thing. And that's you got to pedal. Got to pedal. Your body is so locked up in fear that you're not doing the basics that you did on the trike. The basics that you did when you had training wheels, when you knew that safety was in place, you were pedaling all over the place. But now that there's a, a fear of falling, you won't pedal. Family, God is saying to us, I got you. I'm here. But I need you to walk. I need you to take the steps. I need you to act, to move. There are people who you see that other people don't. And it is not the expectation that you will respond immediately. If a doctor can take 12 years, 13, somebody help me. Lawyers can take seven to eight. Just to be prepared to be able to serve and care for their clients or their constituencies. You're not expected to do this in a day. But you're expected to do it. You're expected to respond. You're expected to start taking steps. I don't know what that is for you. I, But I trust the Holy Spirit is at work in you but there's there's a there's a catch right because all of this makes sense to some people who feel like they're a part of us they're a part of the we they have had their life transformed from life to death excuse me from death to life their life has been transformed they're, they're newly made. And the question you have to ask yourself as a person that's listening right now is, are you in that camp? Is, is Jesus your Lord and has he re, remade you for a work that's greater than you could ever imagine? Yes, it can take place at your job. Yes, it can take place within your family. Yes, it can take place on your block. But he doesn't go before everyone to do good works if you reject him. He won't be there to support, protect you and guide you if you don't acknowledge him, if you don't think he is holding you, if you don't think he wants your best good. And so today, even as you hear these words, my prayer, my offer unto you, the opportunity I extend to you, is that you would accept Jesus Christ into your heart. That you, Lord, are my God. And I want to submit to your ways. That you as an individual would say right now, Lord, I confess that I, I, I try to do this of in and of myself. I'm trying to do my own good works. And at the end of the day, my good works are not here to point people back to you. They're to... Do a variety of other things. You heard me start out even talking about Sister Pi earlier. People can do good works. Excuse me. People can do good things. They can imitate the beauty of God, but good works flow from God because He prepared them and He's gone before them. There is only one person that we deem truly good, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you are not connected to him, then you are doing an an, uh, an imitation at best of his beautiful character. And we're grateful for the the things that you may be doing. You may be doing some nice stuff, but it falls short if God is not at the heart of it. So today, say, God, I want you at my center and I'm willing to submit to your ways so that you might be the king of my life. If that is what you uh, have said, even today, after this uh, time, we will have a breakout session, um, a Zoom meeting, which will be posted in the chat. Uh, We want to welcome you to 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 jump in and uh, meet up with me after that time. Uh, after this time, as I would love to talk with you about next steps in in what it means to grow in Jesus uh, and talk to you about so, some of those other foundations so you can properly understand uh, what your personal ministry might be. But if you are a person that is already sanctified and you believe that God is your king, there's a call to sanctification for you. And and it and it may be joining something beautiful that's already taken place. You know, we have a sister that faithfully has been uh, a tutor at Mac lit for the past six years. See, sometimes it's it's jumping in things that are already created for godly good and you're being faithful to that. But other times. It might mean God pricks your heart to go do your own thing for people that you see. And what I would what I would ask you to do is not keep that to yourself. But you would share it with someone and ask someone, hey, will you just start praying with me about this? Not saying for you to go do any research, not saying for you to go do go do. First, I'd like you to be in the presence of God as you consider what he's stirring in your heart for others. Because I believe out of that prayer time, out of connecting with God, God will move you. God will lead you. God will go before you. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful. We get to be a a member of your army. We are um, used by you, for you. And Satan is defeated. I'm grateful, Lord, that you allow us to be a light in dark places, but we're simply a reflector. You are the great light, and we simply show people you. Lead us in that. Help us in that. Don't let fear, which 30% of our people struggled with, don't let distractions that seem to just overwhelm us and keep us so busy that we can't, we choose not to respond, which 25 of our people said don't let laziness and slothfulness and just apathy, which, you know, 5% of our people shared and Lord, don't let, um, just our inability to choose when there's so many good options out there. Don't let, don't let 40% of our people just, just not Act. God, you're not asking us to make the perfect choice. You're asking us to trust you as we walk. And that's what we want to do. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.